Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hi, guys. Um, I'm going to jump straight to it um, and with my tagline for um, this weekend or certainly for this podcast. Um, the AFCONS is better than Copa America. And I'm not going to have anyone who's going to tell me otherwise. Um, after the viewing of the first week, of both, I'm going to be honest, like you've, you've got to give a lot of credit to um, Cote d'Ivoire, um, the Ivory Coast, um, in regards to their stadia, and I guess the tournament just in general, the vibes that have been brought in the first week. This, for me, has been the most exciting AFCONs in my lifetime. And, of course, I say this um, quite often. We're going to need people from yesteryear, older generations, to tell us otherwise. Um, but from what I've seen so far, the football has been A1. And why, while it may, um, that comment may um, bring a few detractors in regards to, okay, cool, the football um, has been exciting, but the quality has not been as good as, for example, um, Europe and the Champions League or another European competition, whether it be the Premier League or Ligue 1 or something of that nature. When I say that the football being A1, it's been very exciting. And ultimately, that's what you want from a football tournament for it to be exciting and um, whether that's the minnows participating or whether it's the favourites participating. And based on what I've seen so far, um, all round has been very, very good. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to actually um, some of the broadcasters, certainly here in the UK. And again, someone can put me right or wrong as to whether I'm incorrect. Um, but Sky Sports have shown a lot of um, highlights, something I've not seen before. And from what I understand, I think a lot of it's been shown on terrestrial TV, as in, like, I think it's either BBC3 or ITV3. So I think that's been very, very good in regards to bringing viewership to the tournament and more eyes, because anyone who I've spoken to has been thoroughly impressed with what they've seen. And with a lot of the highlights that I've watched, again, they have, they've been very, very exciting. I've seen new talent, which has been very evident for my eyes. And when I say new talent, a lot of these individuals or some of these individuals, sorry, are, let's say, in the latter stages of their career. And I'm trying to think of one or two players. I think there was someone from Cape Verde, who, the forward who might have been in, in his latter year, and there was someone else as well. I'm going to say, um, oh, no, I'm going to either say Mozambique or Angola, because I believe they had um, Portuguese or Spanish ancestry by way of their surname, um, the forward for, for them. And I, I, I was like, I'm not going to say I was like, wow, but I was um, very happy because... Um, that feeling when you see a new talent or someone new or someone you haven't seen before brings about a feeling which is somewhat undescribable. And I'm going to use a, a good and a bad example. When I first saw Messi play for Barcelona, it was against Chelsea in the Champions League away. And the moment I saw him, it's very easy to say this in hindsight, I knew we were watching someone special, very, very special. And I'm And again, at that point, I would have been... 20 years old, and I've seen Zidane, Figo, Raul, I've, I've seen players, Akocha, you name them. I threw in a, an African one there just to spice things up. But Akocha, again, while he may not be, hmm, I was going to say why he may not be Figo, but again, that's debatable, actually. That's another conversation for another day. Um, yeah, I guess, sorry, let me just catch myself again. So I was, I was thinking about that 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 Figo and that Akocha thing. Um, that... That feeling of seeing a new talent brings about a feeling of excitement because you because you don't know what's next. And I'm going to go back to that thing of Copper America and the AFCONs because I've written down a few bullet points. Now, despite 
being 67 years old, the AFCONs, I will say the tournament has a lot more growth to come by way of production on and off the field. But shout out to the Ivory Coast because I think they've done a great job and also the quality of teams. And I think people understand what I'm saying because despite the fact that there's been exciting games, I think there's still a lot of growth in regards to the football in all these countries, whether it's Senegal, the, the current holders, or whether it's, let's use Cape Verde, who are who would be described and known as Minnows, or, or the Comoros, who have beaten Ghana recently, who will still be described as Minnows. You know? But despite a lot of these teams having famous wins, you know, they're still described as Minnows, which, again, a thought just crossed my mind. Now, that's another thing I've been really um, impressed with. So despite a lot of these surprise results in recent months and even recent years, I think the quality between the, the top and the bottom is beginning to narrow. And I think that's the reason why we're beginning to have an exciting tournament. And the unpredictable, the unexpected is beginning to happen, which is something you might not necessarily see in Europe anymore. Or potentially in Copa America, where you have... Let's have it right in some respect. We have the same winners kind of each tournament. I know Argentina have, have, have won the tournament. They're the current holders, and it's the first time they've won the tournament in a while. But Brazil. So Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Chile. And I think you're, that, that, you're there or thereabouts. And, and so I'm not here to throw any shade on Copa America, because I watch Copa America. Yeah, I, I watch Copa America. I'm not that big, but I watch I watch Copa America. I'm a football man, so I watch Copa America. Do you know what I mean? I get excited in some... Uh, I don't get excited, actually. That's a lie. The only game I get excited about is, oh man, Uruguay-Argentina, because I feel there's a bit fierce rivalry between the two, and Argentina-Brazil. Apart from that, I'm not really watching, watching. I'm watching highlights, but I'm not watching, watching, like I'm watching these ones. Here, Africa's a massive continent. I'm sure there's there's rivalries that a lot of us, and let's say the diaspora, are unaware of. Unaware of, I don't know of any rivalries or, um, for example, on the East Horn of Africa or in, or in South Africa. For example, I wouldn't know of it. So it's coming to mind with Mozambique and South Africa being so close. I've never known of a rivalry between the two. We know of Ghana, Nigeria, and they're letting us know by way of the results in this tournament. Um, but I'm not unsure of maybe rivalries in, in in the North of Africa. And does that? I hope I'm making sense here. So we're seeing new rivalries, or I hope we're seeing new rivalries. And I guess with the quality of the football that has um, been displayed so far, is bringing about an excitement and a new fan base, which is which is good. And I think I think the tournament needs that. Um, I'm going to continue with some of my bullet points. Now, despite the fact that um, some of the football has been very good, I think some of it's still very raw, um, and that is actually um, is that a compliment? It is a compliment in some respect, but it's still raw and still unpolished. And I think, that, again, I think there's still a lot more growth to come from the tournament, which is which 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 makes me excited for the future going forward. The color, now the color, I think has been phenomenal, and I, I didn't, I don't expect anything else from 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 Africans or the Afcons, or even or even Africans going to the World Cup. I think we always bring color, whether it's a lot of the um, the clothes we wear, um, um, the instruments, whether it's drums, um, trumpets, it could be things like vuvuzelas, all that type of stuff. Um, that has brought a lot of noise and a lot of vibrancy to, to, the, to the tournament. Um, I've mentioned the ex unexpected already, as in the behaviour. Oh, God. The behaviour. You see some like red cards and things of the nature. The goals have been phenomenal. I don't know if anyone saw. I think it was in, in the Egyptian game. I think there was a, an overhead kick. I could be wrong, which was cancelled out phenomenal you're not seeing some of these things in europe and when i talk about the behavior 
I think there's a there's a there's a there's there's an attitude, a confidence, almost an arrogance. That's wrong. There's a confidence among us as Africans to to try things, which is something you don't necessarily see um, in Europe in the continent. Just finishing off, um, I want to bring about a conclusion as to what Copa America brings in comparison to the Afcons. Now. There's no doubt Copa America is a great tournament. I guess my tagline for this for this podcast is the Afcons is better than the than is better than the Copa America, and that's not something I'm going to budge on. I think there are definitely differences between the two tournaments, but for me, the Afcons definitely tops it, and these are the reasons why. I think you have a wide variety of teams. Now, for example, in this year's tournament, there are 24 teams, and I wouldn't even want to get into the amount of countries um, in Africa. Um, but we know it's a lot, certainly in comparison to South America. Whereas this year, or certainly last year in Copper America, I think there's maybe 12 teams. I listed them down. I want to make sure I find them. I think there's 12 teams. So I believe, so I've, um, da, 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 oh no, I've lost it. Okay, here we are. So I'm going to go over recent hosts. Okay, so Argentina. So there's a list of hosts, but I believe these are all the countries in South America. So um, Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, and Brazil. Peru, Ecuador, um, Bolivia, um, Paraguay, Colombia, Venezuela, and I think there are one or two other more, one or two more other countries. I'm unsure whether they participate in the tournament, and that's a bit ignorant of me to say. Um, but these are some of the main sides in the tournament, and I think these are three, six, nine, ten, eleven. Add three or four more, three, four more countries. That's twelve teams in the tournament, and I guess that's the reason why you always find yourself in the latter stage of the tournament. And I guess that will be with any tournament, to be fair with Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, and Brazil. You know, that's that's what you'll find. Whereas if you were to go over the recent winners in the AFCONs, you're talking about your um, your Algerias. Um, I know Morocco are not recent winners, but they did very, very well in the World Cup. You've got your um, Ivory Coast, you've got Cameroon, you've got Senegal. Come on, you've got Egypt. The list goes on. And then you've got Ghana, who are, although have not, have not won the tournament in, in, in a long, long, long time, are historically one of the bigger sides in Africa. So I'm showing you a, a wider variety of teams to which can potentially win a tournament, whereas there's become a bit of a predictability about Copa America, and dare I say even the Euros in some respect, although you, you can find every, let's say, 10 years, there's a new cycle as to who are the top teams within that, within that region. I guess that can be said for everywhere, if I'm being very honest. Um, but yeah, they're just my thoughts on, on Copa America and the AFCONs, you know? They are my thoughts. Anyway, let's move on ever so slightly. Um, no, 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 no. I don't want to forget. There's something, an article I wanted to read. Um, the AFCONs. This is from The Conversation. I read an article from um, The Conversation. I think it was in last episode or the one before. But I found this very interesting. I think I want this to add a bit more context to some of the things I said previously. So... Um, the title is AFCON, everything you need to know about a record year for Africa's biggest football event. And I think this, um, this, this adds well to what I said. Africa's biggest football festival, the Men's Africa's Cup of Nations, is being hosted by the Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa and will culminate in its final match on the 11th of February. Hmm, interesting. Sorry, I'm out on that day. Um, more than ever before, the world will be watching the action at the 34th edition of the Cup. I believe that, by the way, whether it's scouts, TV, etc., etc., and that's why I give credit to um, the Ivory Coast, but at the same time, I think you need to give credit to CAF as well and the organizer, organizers of the tournament. Given that some of football's greatest athletes will be participating, add to this fact 
that the tournament takes place in the European winter, and so it doesn't face competition from any other major international tournaments except the Asia, um, the AFC Asian Cup. Isn't it really interesting? Now, I don't want to throw any shade on the Asia Cup whatsoever, but I don't know anyone watching that or anyone who's had a conversation in regards to that, and I think that's really interesting. And also, it should be interesting to see the type of conversations that happen between the Copper America and the Euros in the summer whether people compare and contrast. The tournament has its critics, especially in Europe, yeah, we know that, and I've actually listed some of those, where several clubs will be losing key players to African teams. Even so, very few will doubt the AFCON has entered a new era. Big up you, the conversation. I'm definitely going to be following you on, on socials. Now, I actually got another tab here in regards to some of the things that have been said recently. Now, in December 2021, before I think the tournament before, Ian Wright said, is there ever a tournament to be more disrespected than the AFCONs? Um, and I think there's several other people who have said um, very, very similar things. I've heard Darren Bent say something on TalkSport as well. But it's a conversation that has never... I don't know where it started, but it certainly has never really ended. And I think the conversation has continued because of the amount of African players who are now beginning to participate in Europe. And I guess it causes some form of disruption. Anyway, continuing with the conversation. As a scholar of sports communication with a focus on African football, I believe that it will be a record year for AFCON. Star attractions aside, the tournament continues to grow in terms of global viewership. Amen. Improved facilities, big up you Ivory Coast, um, media attention and increased prize payouts. Now, there's something in regards to the Ivory Coast and the investment, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Record prize money. I think this is really, really important, and I'm not going to tell people what they should or shouldn't do with their with their prize money, but also I think this speaks to the African Football League in regards to um, investment. I guess if there's more prize money, then it allows teams to grow and it allows the competition to grow, whether that's club or, or national team. But anyway, record prize money. The Confederation of African Football, CAF, has announced a 40% in the prize money for winning the AFCON. The winning national team will take home $7 million, while the runner-up takes $4 million. Third place will take 2.5, and fourth place will take $1.3 million. Though it's still a long way behind Europe, these prizes are larger than what Copper America, <laughs> Copper America, the South American Football Championship, offered in 2021. Interesting. Star attractions. Now we're talking about growth. So let me let me just pull back to record record prize money. Should be interesting to see what the what the trajectory is of the Afcons and also the Copa America in regards to prize money, viewership. My goodness, that's an article. Um, prize money and viewership. Star attractions. Africa's star players are household names in Europe, thanks to high-profile positions in leading clubs. I was going to say big up. Big names like Victor Oshiman from Nigeria, Hakimi from Morocco, and Salah from Egypt will be representing their countries at the tournament. They won the top three most votes in the 2023 African Player Award, African Player of the Year. In addition, other CAF Awards finalists, such as uh, Fiston Mieli, Mieli, no, sorry, Mieli, yeah, Mayeli. That's it. Correct. That's correct. Fiston Mayeli, Peter, um, oh, 
And this is for Namibia. I don't want to... Uh, yeah, no, I'm saying, nah, nah, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing people injustices. I want to spell his name, and if I butcher his name, I do apologise. It says Peter, and his surname is spelled S-H-A-L-U-L-I-L-E. Um, Shuleli, that's what we're going to go with. He's from Namibia, and Percy Tao from South Africa. The reason why I know his name, obviously I've known him of him before, but at the same time I know I saw, and I saw him miss a penalty recently. We'll all be participating. Now, I'm going to find out where these players actually play, by the way, but I'm going to be very happy, either way to be fair, if these are players who are playing in Africa, because I think this, I don't know what it does actually, but it brings about, um, you know, having star players who are playing in the continent. Um, it adds to it, but it says we'll all be participating. Added to this lineup is a sensational Moroccan keeper, Yassin Bernal. Again, I hope I haven't mispronounced his name. Look at this. Um, so there's a caption. You can't see the picture. But the um, it says the impressively renovated Stade de Pau in Côte d'Ivoire. Impressive stadium. I've seen it a few times. Global viewers. The tournament will be a global event. CAF has announced a new set of broadcasters' rights agreements. These include media agreements with the BBC, Sky in the UK, Band TV in Brazil, BN and Canal, Plus, among other several other entities. I did mention Sky begin to show it, and the BBC as well. And these agreements mean that the tournament will be watched live in 180 countries across the world. Well done, CAF. I like that. CAF, announced, CAF also announced over 6,000 media applications for accreditation. This is more than double the application received for the previous AFCON. Now, do you know, I think you will give people credit where credit is due. Now, I think, I'm sure there'll be detractors in regards to um, in regards to CAF or to CAF, in regards to whether it's the CAF Champions League, which um, I like to believe is growing, um, but again, has its detractors. And then there's the African Football League in regards to, you know, the two tournaments being very, very similar. Very, very similar. And actually have there been a conflict of interest in some respect. Now, I believe with time, um, they will get things right. Well, I hope so anyway, because I think Africa as a as a continent, I think, is beginning to head in the right direction. We're continuing. Um, world-class facilities. Cote d'Ivoire has pulled out all the stops to ensure this year's AFCON is a world-class event. Hmm. The host nation is estimated to have spent one US billion dollars renovating roads, stadiums, hospitals, other infrastructure in preparation for the tournament. Beyond renovating existing stadiums, the country built Three new venues. I love that, by the way, because it should be interesting to find out whether other venues have been built for previous AFCONs as opposed to renovation, which is not a problem, to be fair. There are two new 20,000 capacity stadiums. Laron and Poku Stadium is in the San Pedro in the extreme southwest of the country and Amadou Gon Kulabali Stadium at... Um, in the north of the country. I didn't want to mispronounce the name. The biggest facility, um, Alassane Otora Stadium, is located just outside the economic capital of Abidjan and was built with 260 million to seat 60,000 spectators all under a roof. I'm very impressed. All these venues, like the one in Korohogo, I gotta, I gotta try are accompanied by newly built hotels, villas, rows. 
As host nation, Ivory Coast will enjoy the benefit of a fan base that could boost its team's morale and chances of winning. I believe they're the... Hmm, I wouldn't say they're my favourites, actually, but they lost to Nigeria. That doesn't mean that they're without a shout of winning the tournament, um, but I think they're one of my... Who are my favourites? I don't think Egypt are the favourites. I think... No, my favourites are Senegal, um, followed by Nigeria, and then... I was going to say Ivory Coast, but I'm, I want to pip it to one of the North African sides. I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go Morocco. I don't know. The favourites. A healthy rivalry between the nations, especially from the West Africa, especially from West Africa and North Africa, will increase the stakes at this year's tournament. Twenty-four teams are playing in the group stage, and sixteen of them will qualify for the knockout stage. This means we all know this. This means that three teams will go through from four of a group of six. Although Morocco became the first African team to win the semi-final of the Men's Football World Cup, the Moroccans may find it difficult to win the AFCON. I believe that. Morocco has won only one AFCON title back in 1976. Again, we're talking about the comparison between um, Copa America and the AFCONs. And reached the final in 2004 in Tunisia. Now, I saw something here in my research where it saw, where it said so currently we have Morocco who are one of the strongest sides in Africa who won one AFCON whereas Argentina and Uruguay won 15 Copa America each 15 in Africa I think you've got Egypt who won six six then the nearest rivals I think is oh no um, it's someone else and then it's Ghana with four I forgot. Um, it's, it's escaped to me. Um, let me continue. But the North African country is firmly among the favourites in Cote d'Ivoire. Joining joining them are the host nation and the defending champions. Senegal, Senegal, sorry. Nigeria and Algeria are all, now Nigeria and Algeria are also strong contenders. With Mali a dark horse for the champ. Come on, man. Did anyone see even Congo? Like good, good side, you know. Considering all these um, developments, there are no doubt the tournament will set record records in viewership and for the stadium attendance, which I want to get to in just a moment. In the process, opening up a new visitor for Africa's most prestige and prestigious, uh, prestigious tournament. I love it. I love it. I think that's the end of the yeah. That's the end of the article. That's the end of the article. Okay, I wanted to add one or two bits and pieces to this. Um, so I'm going to name all the sides in this tournament, by the way. So Côte d'Ivoire, Algeria, as in good size. No, no, no. I'm going to name all the sides. Côte d'Ivoire, Algeria, Angola, Burkina Faso, Mali, Mauritiana, Morocco, Mozambique, Cameroon, Cape Verde, DR Congo, Egypt, Namibia, Nigeria, Senegal, South Africa, Equatorial Guinea, Ghana, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, Tanzania, Gambia, Tunisia, Zambia. I'll be honest, I've not seen one bad... No, I've not... I've not seen a bad, bad side. And a lot of these sides here have surprised me, which is why I'm really excited about the tournament. But I'm going to move on to Ghana um, in my last part of this article. Sorry, this podcast, sorry. Now, what I found interesting, and I sent something to a group chat a couple of days ago, um, Ghana, probably about 10, 15 years ago, were considered to be a powerhouse in Africa. For me, that is no longer the case. 
that is no longer the case. And although I think we still win a chance or still with a shout to actually qualify from our group following um, the heroics or great performance from um, Kudus Mohammed and Ghana in the second game, I think the, yes, let's say it, the embarrassment or surprise um, from the first game and losing um, has put a lot of pressure on us going into the last game. And we have one point... Um, I don't know what the group standings are, but I know they're very close. Um, Cape Verde have qualified. Fantastic. And I think that's great. Um, and I think it's between Egypt. I think it's between everyone. Yeah. So we can all qualify from the final group um, group game. And we play Mozambique in the final group game. I don't doubt we can win the game. My concerns are what happens in the other game between Egypt and Cape Verde. Yeah. It's basically in Egypt's hands. You know, if Egypt win, they go through. If Ghana win, then we have to see what happens between Cape Verde and Egypt. If Cape Verde win that game, um, for me, that'll be one of, irrespective of what may potentially happen after that, that'll be one of the um, standout achievements of the tournament for them to qualify top ahead of Egypt and Ghana. So congratulations to them. But I want to finish off with what I actually started because I've not even got to it yet, which was... Um, sorry, it was... What happens to, oh, forgot his name, because I'm looking at messages. Um, what happens to Chris Hewton if we fail to get out of the group? Now, I think there's a lot of pressure on Chris Hewton. I've seen so in the media, and I think he's got a, a few detractors. But I think after what would be considered a failed World Cup, and I took a lot of positives from the World Cup, but generally speaking, people weren't happy. What would then happen if he was to exit the group um, at this tournament? And we have to bear in mind there hasn't been um, any real positive results in between. So that means he would have had borderline two years or close to two years with the national team. Now, I would be open for him to continue, if I'm being very honest. Um, and that's despite no positive signs um, from his team thus far. And the reason why I'll be open to it is because he's undergoing a transition or we are undergoing a transition, which is very, very difficult to see um, any sunlight or see the wood, you know, within or between the trees. I think you understand the saying. Um, so I'll be open to it. But at the same time, if he was to um, become under fire and lose his job, it also wouldn't be a surprise to me either. But again, I would like to see some form of um, process going to who would be the successor for Chris Hewton. Um, that will be with the director of football in regards to what's going to take place uh, with the men's and women's teams and the youth sides, um, but also with the the national team and what we see going on from here on in. I think it's a shame that we've had a few players pull out the tournament, but it is what it is. Um, but generally speaking, I'm very positive for the future, I think, with our star man, Kudus Mohammed. Um, that is it from me um, for today. Um, yeah, that is it for me today. And as I said before, Copper America is not better than the AFCONs. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnau at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnau on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.